Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In this episode, I am in conversation with Jacob Kurian, an IT industry veteran and presently honorary secretary of the Association of People with Disability in Bangalore. Jacob has so many stories to share that we decided to publish this in two parts. In this, the first part, Jacob shares his early childhood and how his father was a great influence in his wanting to be an engineer. What his life lessons were staying in a hostel for further schooling. His first role related to project management in the construction industry and how he did not like that much. But a couple of times later in the career, how this experience created opportunities for new roles. How he took on the role of a product manager in one of the earliest and very successful products from built in India in the forex and money market space that served international clients. The opportunity he had to wear a sales and marketing cap, even though he calls himself an introvert, and to set up and streamline the sales activities in the US region. How he was ignored by a new person who had taken over professional services who should have been his customer. And how a large opportunity from GE changed this person's equation with Jacob. You know, just as things got more interesting, and Jacob started to share the story of GE's entry into India for outsourcing. We ran out of time for this episode. Please listen to the first part of his story in this episode. Listen on. Welcome to the Software People Stories. Uh, Jacob, uh, this has been a conversation that has been long pending. I'm happy that we finally get to have this conversation. So for the benefit of our listeners, like we normally start, if you can introduce yourself, what is your origin story about associating with IT and your career trajectory, we can take it from there. Okay. Obviously, I come from a pre-IT era where my father, who inspired my choice of career, was a factory man who spent all his life working on the shop floor, working in a factory, and in those relatively freewheeling days, when he would go to do a night shift check, he would uh, take his kids along. So, you know, I'd go and I was very impressed by how everybody from the security guard would salute. And so my kind of childhood ambition was, oh, I want to be an engineer and I want to work in a factory. So growing up, we spent a lot of our time growing up in small industrial towns. These were on the outskirts of Calcutta initially. Then we uh, came to a place called Ranipet, which was a very small town in Tamil Nadu, where my father worked for EID Parry. It's no longer a small town. It's now a huge industrial hub. But in the time we grew up, it had one factory, which was the EID Parry chemicals and all the Parry where sanitary ware came from Ranipet. There was one hospital. There was one store. There was one club. There was one 
uh, railway siding, and that was it. There was one petrol pump where we would all go to have. Uh, mm. So it was a very small town. Everybody was a professional who you knew each other. You lived in a factory colony. And from there, actually, my mother, not my father, but my mother made the decision that we should not study in the village school. The village school actually had, there was only one school also, one English medium school. It shared a boundary with our quarters. So actually, we could just climb over the wall and go to that school. But she made what, as a child, I felt was a very, I mean, it wasn't a decision I could understand to send both my brother and I to boarding school in Bangalore. So Mm -hmm. at the age of seven, I went away to Bangalore. Only now as a parent, I kind of realized what a great sacrifice that was. And I often wonder if I had stayed on in in Ranipet, what my career trajectory would be and how the decision to send us to Bangalore changed perspectives, changed ambitions, changed uh, even uh, the ability to speak and write English well were all the result of growing up in an urban city. Though we missed home horribly, we would cry. And But growing up in a boarding also, and subsequently in a hostel in engineering, also meant that you imbibed certain values, which if the benefit of hindsight, I don't know if they were great career values to have, but uh, as boarders, I guess we had to justify in our minds that uh, there was a reason we were sent away from our homes because school also had, the majority were day scholars. So we'd see people coming with their parents going home, and uh, and there would be this bunch of us uh, who had to kind of macho up. And so we would say, you know, we don't suck up. We don't talk to the principal. You know, the whole hostel got caned. You never snitched. Boarders don't do these things. Uh, these scholars, you know, they're not as tough as we are. They, they live with their parents and namby-pamby uh, spoiled kids. We are the tough guys. So I uh, did my engineering, started to work uh, in a factory. It's a whole different story that I had planned after two years to do an MTech or to do an MBA. A lot of people had, uh, you know, gone straight from engineering to a business school. I wanted to work, so I worked. I ended up getting sacked in my first job for (laughs) my first brush with corporate politics. Uh, And I found that uh, I couldn't get another job. Uh, So the two years became uh, three years because before I could finally get a job, uh, went to Bombay, worked in an engineering consulting firm. And uh, by that time, all of us engineers who were three years out of engineering school were meeting their batchmates who had finished two years of business school. And we were still traveling, you know, maybe second sleeper or something. And these guys were flying. We were like, what? You got three years of work ex and you pressures, you guys. So we realized, uh, so I realized the world was a bit unequal towards engineers. And by then I had also kind of 
changed my mind about a master's in tech. I, I mentioned this project stint because this uh, engineering stint with Emin Dasto because it kept coming back in my life in many ways. It was just a one-year stint, but it's kind of how I segued into uh, IT. So mm-hmm. after two years, I finished, uh, I mean, I got into business school, went to Jamshedpur. I was, for the longest period of time, aspiring to be a professional cricketer and had some credentials to play it, but almost every time I had to make a career choice between playing cricket full-time or studying engineering or graduating with the first class or getting a job, whatever. I did the middle class thing of those days and chickened out and said, no, I can't afford to not graduate, not get a first class. So when I went to Jamshedpur, in business schools, the level of competence in academic, I mean, in sports is relatively limited. So I was a big star in the team. And uh, through cricket, I actually met my current wife. And at that time, the person who I thought I would go steady with. Now, I'd never met a girl before uh, because engineering was all male. Hostel, uh, school was all male. So for me, it was a novel experience. Uh, And she and I, we decided that we would go to Bombay and do our summer internship in Bombay, far away from everybody else, her parents, my parents. So placement, summer placement started and I was called by the placement office and told that um, you've already got a placement. So I said, how can I get a placement? Well, I haven't applied. Yeah. I haven't applied, you know, and we had all this scheme, <laughs> she will get first in Bombay, then I will get and all that stuff. And she said, yeah, yeah well, uh, there's this company called IDM and they've given you a project. So I said, and then other than learning some Fortran, theoretical Fortran in college, I had no experience in uh, computers. <laughs> Why would they hire me? I mean, so I had a big row, but eventually she said, you either go to Calcutta and join IDM or you're out of placement. So our grand scheme ended with oh. uh, Bharti going all the way to the West Coast, me going all the way. So I go to IDM. And I asked the guy, why did you hire me? I mean, I have no computer skills. And he said, "Uh, no, no, you have project management expertise. So I said, "Uh, that was for building a steel plant. (laughs) So they said, yeah, we need for our mini computer, we need a PERT CPM package. And uh, since you're a guy who we found out the expertise, why don't you design it? Mm. So... So I kind of accidentally blundered into starting to write a PERT CPM package and learning to write it in basic and found that I became completely obsessive about those were the days when there were no debugger, nothing, you know, so you literally went line by line to find some dot or a comma or something that was missing and to just freak me out. The fact that you couldn't compile it, the fact that it kept not running, so I, at the end of that two months, decided that, no, no, this is not for me, okay? This is just too obsessive, uh, this thing. I'm not going to be a coder. Uh, it was nice to do, but that's it. So we went back. When graduation came, uh, Tata Burrows was actually a day one company in those days. 
I didn't apply. Uh, happened to get into the Tata Administrative Service. And in the Tata Administrative Service, you actually do a stint in six companies in the first year. You mm. do two months, two months, two months, two months. Mm. So I had finished a stint in five Tata companies and again, not considered ever going to TCS or TBL, which were the two companies at that time. And I knew that I was going to get an offer from all the five. So mm. I was generally thinking, what do I do? I couldn't decide on any of them. None of them seemed a good enough fit. They were all very stodgy, boring companies. They were the blue chip of the group, blue chips of the group, but they were very boring places. And then I got a call from uh, Bombay House saying, please go and meet this gentleman called Dr. Prakash Hebalka. He works for a company called Tata Bowers. Mm. So I said, oh, no, no, forget it. I'm not going to meet. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go into computers. Okay, so just forget it. Okay, I'm not. I just need to do one more thing. I already have a problem of choice. I need to do one more company. So just send me somewhere. So the guy said, no, no, you know, he's a senior vice president of a Tata company. You can't refuse to meet him. So I grumbled and all that. And I went to meet Dr. Hebalka. And unfortunately, a lot of Indians and in the telling of India's IT story, Doc Hebalkar is a figure that very few people know and very few people have had the privilege to actually have worked for him. Um, so I go in front of this guy and he says, uh, so why don't you come and work for Tata Bowles? And I said, no, no, you know, I'm not a coder. Um, if I wanted to do this, I'd have just done it after engineering. Why do an MD and then come and do this thing? I was like, I'm not doing this. So I'm like thinking of all these things. But Doc uh, told me that, uh, no, you should join a sunrise industry, not sunset industries like steel and automotive and Etc. You should join a sunrise industry like IT. We were having this conversation in 83, 84. Certainly IT didn't look sunrise at all. But he told me, go to SEEPS. Why don't you go to SEEPS? Uh, and I have an exciting job for you. So I go to SEEPS and um, all of you guys must have been there. But certainly it felt like a, going back to college again. You know, everybody was young. Everybody was... Uh, there was a certain buzz about the place. Uh, everybody was talking about New York and this and that. And was so different in uh, kind of vibe compared to all those major Tata companies in those days. PCA, I mean, PCA, uh, Tata Steel, Tata Engineering, etc. So I went back to him and he said, um, you know, uh, India has to stop doing this body shopping business, okay, of sending skilled people there to work as coders. Uh, we have to build our own IP and we must build our own products and services. Uh, so I was like, okay, <laughs> if you say so, but uh, what's connected with me? And, right? and so he says, um, we've been trying to build a product and uh, it uh, hasn't got finished and uh, you have project management wow. it sounds like oh my <laughs> <Again>. God, not again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So you should go and project manage this product. I spent some time thinking about all the choices I had. You know, the way the task thing works is you put in your cho- three choices, companies put in their choices and there's some matching and mm-hmm. some bullshit about how the group priorities take this thing. Anyway, I surprised myself, my then fiance Bharti, everybody by saying, hey, maybe I'll put TBL as number one. And I think the panel were also equally shocked that somebody picked TBL. So they, <laughs> I got came to TBL. So I arrive in TBL, I'm given a cubicle. I turn around and I look around this place. I don't know anybody, but right behind me is somebody who looked familiar and turned out to be my batchmate from college, Mr. Gopalan. Okay, so Gopalan was sitting just right behind okay. this cubicle that I was assigned to at seats. And I really didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I was then introduced to this product team, uh, which was building Easy Deal. And I was introduced as, okay, this guy is your new manager. Okay, and I won't use certain names, but you're familiar with some of the personalities in that team. But I got the first taste of what prejudice really means. Okay, Mm -hmm. the hate was almost visceral. (laughs) Guys, I didn't ask for this thing. Okay, Uh, so not only was I a task guy, I was more importantly, I was a non techie, I was a non coder, and I had the temerity of being appointed as their boss. Anyway, to cut a long story short, that's how I actually entered IT. Okay. It, was, it was kind of more happenstance, uh, Dr. Prakash Habalka's own uh, vision for something that seemed quite fantastic at that time, mm. and a strange series of uh, coincidences from the fact that I worked in Edmund Dastu, then I got into IBM, then did some more projects there. Then, by the way, even during the task stint, I was uh, asked by Tata Electric. I'm an electrical engineer by uh, education. Uh, so Tata Electric said, you know, I was in the deputy MD's office and I thought they'd give me some real hot thing to work on. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, we have all these projects and none of these projects seem to run on time. So we think you should write a program to help us try oh, right. So I did some coding again in uh, Tata Electric all those big desktop mini computers. And again, I found myself horribly addicted to it. You know, I ended up one day getting, it was in Sterling Cinema. One day I finished code, you know, trying to debug some program. I went down and I found the whole office is locked. I was locked in because they didn't expect anybody was there. (laughs) And I couldn't get out of that office that whole night because I was locked in. But I, it again reminded me of this, I know things have changed so much from those days, but I was like, you know, if you get into coding, that's it. You're not going to be able to have a life. You won't know what else to do. So I was this strange non-techie in a techie world. Yeah, good. I didn't know your original origin story or the early stories. Yeah, that is something new for me. When we first met, it was about Jacob from TAS. Now, TAS was always maybe three levels above coding or anything else. Saying, what does a manager have to do here? Okay. Uh, so, in fact, uh, you partly answered uh, one question that crossed my mind, which is uh, 
as okay forget the project management part at least as tasks when you want to bring in systems when you want to say think big and all that working with the techies the quote unquote techies how was it to bring or get the techies to appreciate systems while we probably develop programs or applications for others most of us are not really that well organized yeah so i think that's been a truism that i saw throughout this career that typically the companies that were advising somebody to do something seldom practiced it okay mm-hmm. uh, titan was just horrible at keeping to time Anything. <laughs> they were ostensibly sending watches right. to everybody else. So I have seen that strange pattern repeat many times. I think in uh, relative to working on big factory uh, these things, software projects were relatively less complex because you were not talking about power and water lines and air and pressure lines and temperature and this and that. You're just looking at code. Uh, we had. as you know tbl had the best uh, people but i think all we needed was to try and set some goals and try to work towards it uh, make certain calls on in terms of what feature functionality the team needed to code so we had this guy who uh, was an external consultant called av rajwade and mr rajwade knew the entire world of forex and we were building a foreign exchange and money market dealing room system called which later was called easy deal and so somebody had to decide okay uh, we can't design for all the features in the world we have to design for this set and we'll leave that out uh, etc so i don't think i did a whole lot it was completely crazy uh, hours uh i remember we got my wife and i got married in the middle of it and i couldn't even go to uh, buy a wedding ring so she finally went and bought the ring as well <laughs> uh, but we did get the project product out and then started a whole different story because once we got the product out we realized there was nobody to sell it <laughs> yeah even no buying is separate somebody had to go and sell it right and prakash's whole theory behind it was we needed to do it as a proof of concept that india can build a product that india can sell ip india can pri- charge a price for it which is not related to effort okay so number of people into so many days into yeah. so many months per rate uh, that it would have a price um and i would say looking back uh, these were really pioneering thoughts at a time when the rest of india was nowhere near thinking about any of those things nor is it recorded in history that the first software products were actually built and sold by tbl you know finical and others came much later but um, tbl built this tbl built a product called sign bank sign bank was the was the attempt to build a digital uh signature storage and retrieval system and we managed to sell these systems to you know i think we had hsbc rolling it out across asia uh so they were sold and successfully installed in a few thousand uh branches at least hmm. uh, the money market dealing room system was another whole different kettle of fish um because it was a very complicated system 
uh, in hindsight, clearly we shouldn't have built it. We were up against some giants like AP Dow Jones, Telerate, and Reuters. Their systems were in the millions of dollars. We had, okay, what do we price this at? So somebody mm -hmm. said uh, $25,000. So we said, okay, $25,000. <laughs> and when we found that we were not able to sell it, it was very depressing for the whole project team, the technical mm -hmm. team, the project team, uh, myself included. So out of frustration, more than any ability to sell, I was a very introverted, still am a very introverted, non-classic sales guy. But I was like, damn, we've slogged for so many days and nights. At least we must sell one package. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I will go and sell. And I went to Europe and with the help of the borough's uh, infrastructure, we were introduced to multiple banks. Boroughs were very strong in the financial systems uh, arena. And we went to every bank and we said, uh, okay, so here, this, here is this thing. And after you got past, oh, India has computers and India has uh, people who can code stuff, etc. cetera, uh, we would get to this chief dealer saying, no, no, I don't want this. I want it this way. I want it that way. I want it this way. And we would say, sure, no problem. You want it customized? No problem. We're not really expecting to win anything. We just did these proposals, made these things. And our hope was we can win at least one, one. Uh, this thing because that was the only test. So we had the development team in Bangalore, in India, in Bombay. And we all happily sprayed these proposals around. And I learned an early lesson in two things. One is we didn't really understand product management and product releases and version controls and all that stuff. But also that your very success can be your undoing. So what happened was we won some four or five of these bids. Four or five people said yes. Okay. And to each of them, we had promised sun, moon, and stars. Okay. And sure enough, it ended up being a complete disaster. Okay. So we couldn't install, we couldn't deliver, we couldn't uh, keep to promises. But it ended up with me suddenly becoming the sales superstar. <laughs> I was moved from the product group to the business office, which started me down a trajectory that um, I didn't really think I would ever have chosen to be in a sales, marketing, and business development role. Mm -hmm. Even many, many years later, when I was quite successful at it, people would still, my boss came to me and said, uh, I don't understand how you're winning all these deals. So mm -hmm. I said, uh, I mean, what's your problem? He said, no, you don't drink. You don't smoke, you don't go out to bars, you don't play golf, you know, all the classic, yeah, you don't even tell jokes. So <laughs> there are many ways to skin a cat. I didn't fit the profile, but I was fortunate that, you know, through God's grace, we had some success. Yeah, interestingly, that was around the time when I got associated with ECD, when effectively, even though we called it a product, there were so many parallel projects running. Good. Yeah. Uh, 
that was interesting because every customer had their own uh, specifications and requirements and all that good uh, yeah i okay definitely had some questions related to the sales part but probably we'll keep that for a, a different conversation i wanted to segue a little bit after tbl when you got into titan you are more like a user i'm sure that you were using it systems so how was it working with either companies or service providers who had to give you systems you were inside here developing and there you were the user yeah i think it was the most humbling uh, experience so i should uh, rewind a little bit on what happened with my career post that so i was sent off to the us uh, to start a new region called latin america and canada it was a time when the model that we all followed was somebody would send in a request for people and we would find in our resume bank and send that there and uh, you know bill on a monthly basis or whatever and that person would work as part of larger teams very often led by some white guy and we supplied the brain power so what was happening at that time which was which is and i just rewind because i think it's an interesting milestone in the history of uh, india's it there was only really tcs and tbl and tbl was a spin out of tcs so we did barrow's work and tcs did all the rest what was happening at that time was there were a bunch of entrepreneurs of indian origin who were going around so you know you would go in you would place somebody in an account and they would go in there offer a green card and just switch and since these were just individuals the company was really not adding any value to it uh, our business started going down it was a hugely profitable business and then almost overnight under attack by these guys the business started going down in the us okay which was the largest market so i had many seniors who were running the major us marketplaces and i was given the small little thing but i took it ye lekar when all of them crashed i was the only one whose business did well only because i was on a zero base so i looked okay. like growing everyone else declining okay. i remember sitting and asking my seniors who were all very brilliant bright guys so every quarter we do this presentation to show the slide going up down this way down up down up down and then somebody else would present a region there was no pattern nothing it was just to me sitting there quietly thinking was just a random series of phone calls if the calls come this guy looks like a hero if the call doesn't come he has he has no clue what to do and i was like how can you run a business like this anyway i was to junior to open my mouth like a quiet and one by one these seniors quit okay and the business was heading into a precipitous free fall and i think for no other reason other than the head office wanted a scapegoat they decided that they needed to appoint somebody as the head of the us okay so that there's a barrier between otherwise all of us reported directly into india and so the guy in india had to stand up and say why things are not going well but if they could create a bakra in the middle mm-hmm. it would be you know we could say india could say this guy he's <laughs> running this into the ground so 
I became the first head of U.S. Director Americas, as we were called. I think there was pressure from Burroughs, who had become Unisys by then, to say, we need to appoint a decision maker here. And for the first time, all U.S. officers reported to me. Mm-hmm. We then, that was fine. But then what do you do? It was still going this way, like the Titanic headed only one way down. And we had at that time started to do well before my time. You know, we were, we had, uh, Tata Burroughs had set up an offshore development center, uh, Bank Indo Suez, uh, and we were slowly beginning to get projects and execute from India. And as I was thinking about how do I compete with these green card guys, because I can't offer any green cards, we made a decision to start to focus more and more on turnkey uh, projects, because that A, didn't require me to bring people to the U.S., and B, I could promise outcomes, not worry about how many people, this, that, and the other. And that was more importantly, something these upstart guys couldn't do at that time. And that business then turned around, okay? But it also ran into a time when Burroughs and Sperry merged to create Unisys. Now, here are all these chance things that happen in life. I, because I was from Asia Pac, I was sitting in the Asia Pac office, And every night I would send these requisition requests. We would fax it to India, you know, three programmers, five Mm -hmm. uh, system designers, two Unix guys, one C. And at the fax machine was this Swiss gentleman. And he and I would stand and chat while we were waiting for our faxes to go to India. And he was a gentleman called Reto Braun. And Reto ran Asia Pack for uh, Unisys. And because Japan was the only company that did well, Reto became president of Unisys. And Reto remembered that Indian guy who he used to meet at the fax machine. (laughs) And because Unisys was doing so badly, there came opportunities to offshore stuff that they were doing in the US back to India. (laughs) And I got moved to the main corporate block and was suddenly sitting in on meetings where they were discussing product strategy and what to do with this application, what to do with that application. Most of them looked around and said, who's this some Indian guy? Indians were not even on the technical executive floor in those days, let alone the corporate floor as uh, widely prevalent today. There was a, a white American from Sperry who took over professional services for the merged corporation. Mm-hmm. Burroughs and Sperry. And this gentleman was, Sperry had no operations in India. Okay. So he had no clue about this whole Tata Burroughs thing and just didn't get it, didn't care, was a bit, I would say, with the benefit of hindsight, prejudiced. He wouldn't even give me a meeting. And he had basically told everybody Tata Burroughs doesn't matter, they're just another vendor. So for Tata Burroughs, it was a huge identity crisis. We had become Tata Unisys, but we had spent our entire life serving Burroughs customers, only Burroughs customers. TCS was playing everybody else, but we were stuck with only Burroughs customers. And now suddenly Burroughs is saying, uh, Unisys is saying, they're just another vendor. We don't give a shit, okay? So I was sitting there thinking, I tried, you know, to meet this guy, tell Rato this, that. He was so arrogant, so dismissive. So one day by mistake, an inquiry came to me from 
HP, saying that we want to build a professional services business. HP was also all hardware, wanting to build a professional services business. And by some fluke, it came to me. So I went off to meet HP in California and uh, told them the whole jing bang. They, of course, had never heard of all these things that were happening in India at that time. And they were like completely amazed. So they said, uh, okay, we need some so many guys, but what size of order do you want to take? So I was like, what? <laughs> so I can know what to say. So I said, $1 million, okay, which was like un- unimaginable. So the guy said, okay, we'll send it to you. So I came to say, what? And I had pitched Unix uh, so that we are somewhat neutral. Obviously, none of the proprietary stuff we could pitch then. And I came back and I got this order. Now the thing was nobody in Bombay knew because my bosses, Unix had a threat if they heard that we were going to work with. Uh, so I go back to meet this professional services guy. And he makes me wait outside then makes me sit there and he's talking to another guy. He completely ignores me. And then eventually he says, yeah, so what, what, what do you want? What do you want? You know, in this very rude. And uh, so I said, uh, no, I just came to ask your advice uh, on something. So he said, yeah, what is it? What is it? Uh, hurry up. I, I really don't have time. Can't you see I'm busy? So I said, uh, please tell me what to do with this. And I just put that order there in front of him. And he literally, you know, double blinked and he said uh, uh, you can't do this so I said well you know I have uh, employees I have shareholders I have a management this thing I'm quite okay for you to tell me that I have no role in the Unisys world so I presume you have no objection to my going out and finding my way around the world that day it changed a whole lot of things for Tata Unisys in the US. That mm-hmm. conversation, we eventually didn't do HP. I would have never been allowed to do HP, but it turned my professional equation with this guy. And subsequently, we started to play a much more strategic role in, mm-hmm. in the way that we did business. There was one more moment that I just want to share with you before we go off to Titan and what life was on the other side. So I'm doing pretty well. The business in the U.S. has turned around. We are doing much more strategic work. Um, I'm sitting in on all these meetings. And one day, Rato's office called and said, uh, there's a call from uh, G. Uh, Rato wants you to go up and meet this guy called Ed Skyko. He has some interest in doing some work in India. And don't forget to listen to the next episode. That will feature the second part of our conversation where he shared what happened with the GE opportunity and his transition to a manufacturing company as a CIO and marketing head. Of course, if you subscribe to the Software People Stories on your favorite podcast client, you'll be notified when the next episode is published in a week. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the Software People Stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, 
contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.